Everybody, nice to see you again. This is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio. And before you start asking me, no, I wasn't beat up in an alley somewhere. I ran into a branch out in the wilderness yesterday, so I apologize for having a beat up nose. Anyway, we have a great guest today, and it's going to be connected to this idea that many of our guests have been talking about lately as the old civilization, I guess you could still call it that, kind of is in the process of crashing in a not very pleasant way, those of us who are looking forward to see where we want to end up are building a new parallel civilization as the old one declines, not waiting for it to be gone, because we could soften the uh, the experience a lot that way. And when Dr. Tenpenny was on, uh, actually recording just a few days ago, I don't know when you're going to be seeing this, but when she was on, she was saying, yeah, we're starting a new part of that parallel civilization arising called the Tenpenny Alliance. And I said, we want to promote that for you, you know, and help somehow. So she said, get, if you can get a hold of Daryl Coates, the COO of the new organization, Tenpenny Alliance, and find out from him the details. So we were fortunate to do that. And Darren said that he'd be willing to come on. And we are honored to have him with us today. So welcome, Darren, and thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Good morning, Richard. Thank you for having me. Um, we have a lot to talk about in a short time. So um, the way I want to look at this as a start and then just see where it goes is what I was trying to explain, you know, in that short intro that we're building up a new system entirely and an essential part of that is a new healthcare system and you guys are already working on one section of that so before we get into exactly what that is um for people that may not know you before now can you give a little bit of your background where you came from and what led you to the position that you're interested in doing this right now Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to share this information. My name is Darren Coates. I am the COO for Dr. Tenpenny at the Tenpenny Alliance, and I have worked for the prior 22 years as an executive in nonprofits, specifically in a few different blood banks and learning about operations and uh, budgeting, management, compliance, and all those parts and components of that piece of executive management. And I heard Dr. Tenpenny speak in the fall of 2021, and she was talking about doing something different, and she cast a little bit of a vision about what she wanted to do. And in that moment, I was compelled to make sure that she got my name, my contact information, and to tell her, I think I can help you. And she and I spoke and she offered me a position to help build this new part of society and try to help the world and make a difference. And I've been on board ever since. And it's been uh, an exciting journey. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I can't believe the people I've met and the things I've experienced in just a few months, but I know that these are the first few steps in what will be a lifelong adventure. 
Yeah, it sounds like you were perfectly prepared for it too, with all the you know steps that you went to before you knew about it. It felt like it was custom built for my particular set of skills, and yeah, yeah. that she needed someone who can do the things that I can do, and someone with the type of willingness to listen and learn because I did not know a great deal about the medical world and I'm still continuing to read and learn and try to understand and adapt to a new environment. It's a great thing to learn. It helps everybody involved. And I I know because I've been involved in it since the mid 1960s. And if you find out more and more about health as opposed to the allopathic medical system that we're used to all the time, find out that this system is designed in the beginning before 1910 to be a business model where the system itself pretends to be health, but it creates sickness. Because if you get people healthy, what's the good of that? I mean, you don't even have a customer anymore. Well, the the purpose of medical is treatment and not necessarily a cure. No. In fact, they stopped using the word cure and they started using the word management. Correct. Um, we, we get into disease management and um, we've learned a lot about what the system is set up to do without really putting a grasp or an understanding for what it's not designed to do. And Dr. Timpany's highlighted that in my life by making it really obvious that there's a deficit and there's some pieces yeah. that we can do better. Definitely. So when you want to start building an organization to put a new industry together and a new outlook on health and medicine and everything. What are some of the first steps that you've had to be involved in? Well, the the biggest has been fundraising because our biggest hurdle to success is the obvious and it's finding a location that takes money, being able to do a build out that takes money and then hiring the staff to start. And once we can start, we'll be, pretty much self-sufficient. It's the expansion parts that are starting to happen. And I've been on this journey with Dr. Tenpenny uh, since September. And in January, we switched gears to really focus on just the medical part. When I met her in the fall, she was working with a group of people just trying to do good and trying to help people that were struggling with all the COVID and sharing information about how people could take care of themselves and their families. And in January, we switched gears to really focus on the Tenpenny Alliance and finding sites. So we have at this moment identified two locations and the first two are supposed to be in the Cleveland, Ohio area. We're going to do a build out and we're going to start with a focused respiratory care so that when people are having ear, nose, throat, uh, respiratory issues, they can come in there and she wants to put together a learning model The idea is for people to educate themselves about, A, what caused this problem, and B, how to avoid it in the future so that you don't come back. Wow. Wow. Really wonderful. (laughs) uh, Imagine a doctor who really truly embraces the the policy of first, do no harm. That's incredible. She's not trying to give anybody any kind of medications that are going to cause more harm than good. And she jokes about the side effects of some of the medications. You know, you get a medication and it's to treat one thing, but it has six side effects. What if they admitted that those weren't actually side effects? Those were primary effects. 
Uh, well, I don't understand the difference. How can you put together a combination drug and give it to me and tell me that this is the intent and this right. is the side effect? Because you uh, think your your marketing customers are not going to be smart enough to figure out this trick. Well, it's, it, it is a little bit of branding and calling yeah. something a side effect makes it seem like it's lesser. But if it's a, if it's an effect and it's present, then right. that's what this drug does. And when you have to give other drugs to treat the side effects of the first drug that you're taking and then something for that, you yeah. went from putting one thing in your body that wasn't necessarily what was intended to be there to now multiple. Yeah. And we're focused on trying to just build a new model where people get to participate and people really get a further understanding that they own their bodies and they get to choose what goes in them with the participation and the partnership of a doctor. Well, and they learn how to do something radical, which is actually be healthy. Um, she, Dr. Tenpenny is not a shy doctor. And she's not somebody who's going to avoid talking about the obvious without uh, breaking any of the HIPAA laws. She shared one of uh, the common issues where somebody will come in to see a doctor and they'll say, well, doc, I, I have knee pain. And some doctors will look at their knee and, you know, do a check. Maybe there's an x-ray, maybe there's an MRI. But if somebody's in knee pain, the common reaction is to give that person pain medication. Yeah, you know, so let's you, get you, you have, unaware of your knee pain so that you don't have to deal with it anymore. Right. And so it gets worse. What she's done is she says, okay, let's talk about why you have knee pain. You think maybe it's because you, you're pretty overweight and you don't do anything but sit around. Right. So let's talk about how we can start a path for a better diet and take care of your nutrition and get you active and if you lose some weight and you still have that knee pain, we can take a real close look. But the reality is just taking a bunch of pain medications masks the problem. It doesn't cure the problem. It doesn't yeah. fix the problem. We had the analogy like driving along the highway in your car and your oil light, if you don't have a gauge, you have a red light with the oil pressure goes down and it goes on and you open the glove compartment, take out your hammer and smash the light and keep driving. And that's kind of like the pain medication, right? It is. Um, we're just going to keep going through it. We're not aware of it, but it, the problem's still there. Yeah. So, and when your engine blows up from no, no oil, it's unrelated. Absolutely. That's a completely different problem and uh, was caused by something or somebody else. Yeah, genetics probably. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've had a few physicians on, have you, sir? Yeah, yeah. I've been talking to them for decades. <clears throat> it's really interesting. You know, doctor came from the word docere, which is teacher. And that's what they were supposed to be. Well, I, I've got a few family members that are in the medical industry. Um, at this point, no doctors, but uh, one PA and a few nurses. And they ask a great deal of questions around what are you doing for your health and what decisions are you making as far as what you eat, what you drink, wow. um, how you live on a daily basis and how teaching people how to correct a problem by a little bit more of a natural process versus how you just take something to cover it up or to mask the problem. And, you know, my, my wife's a nurse and, her bedside manner sometimes can be a little bit lacking because it's not that tender hearted, you know, 
what what you want. You know, I I don't feel. I turned into a big baby. I'm a guy. Yeah. Um, I'll admit yeah. it. And when when I don't feel good, I really am that. Uh, you know, I want somebody to pamper me and take care of me. And she'll say, you know, sometimes you just have to deal with it and get up and go on. There's not something you need to take. You need to let this run its course. Right. That's not what I want to hear. I, I want somebody to baby me for a minute and make me feel better. Exactly. Uh, but she's right. And because of her, we don't take a lot of drugs around our house, um, you know, daily vitamins and, you know, just a few small things here and there where, you know, I've got a little bit of a blood pressure issue still, right. um, but I'm, I'm getting that under control. So Dr. Tenpenny has helped me understand a lot about how my choices led me here and choices can lead me away from here if I make them correctly. Absolutely. It's a self self healing mechanism, you know, not like a tractor or something that just rusts and falls apart. That's correct. Fixes itself. But the owner's manual, we got to reconnect to that. Uh, amen. We need, we do need to reconnect to the owner's manual. And so to talk a little more about the clinic and how she wants it to do. Yeah. People don't think in terms of hiring a doctor. They think in terms of going to a doctor. And if you look at it from the standpoint of that person is a contract that is working for you. It's somebody that you're going to because you've got an issue who has a supposedly a higher level of knowledge or understanding and can give you some insight on some things that aren't going on. I will relate this to, I have a neighbor that is a botanist and she grows a garden every year. Mm -hmm. So when my wife and I chose to grow a garden, I went to her and asked for some insight and some understanding of how best to set our garden up so it can be successful. And she coached me along and we had a great garden last year and we're going to have a great garden this year. Wow. But I think sometimes when you go to that professional and they tell you something, there's not a lot of back and forth dialogue and, you know, gardening, it's pretty easy for her to say, this is my preference for how to set it up. But when you go to a doctor, a doctor will just tell you, this is wrong, do this. Well, it's because they're not in the treatment profession any longer. It is just a checklist. If a patient comes in, it's if A, then B. If this, then this. Right. And they're told what to do by the insurance companies. Right. Um, and it shows up on the computer. It, it does. And a, a lot of patients have experienced the... I went to a doctor and I had an issue and the doctor told me that they feel like I have something that's wrong and I need an MRI. But before he can order an MRI, he's got to do an x-ray in order to rule something out. And all of that's the insurance company. That's somebody else checking a box yeah. so that they can charge more money or get more stuff or get some extra things through the way the hospitals partner with those drug companies and with the insurance companies to help set the expectations for what you experience when you go in there. Uh, generally, the insurance companies won't support anything that's natural. Well, uh, because they want you hooked on something because you're going to come back a little more often. That's, that's um, right. It's an alliance of, between insurance companies and drug companies in partnership. It is. And I think the more people can take a personal accountability for asking questions about what I can do, what are my options? And if a doctor lays out three or four, don't choose the 
easiest path or the one that seems the most simple, ask questions. If we choose that route, what does that mean? What do I have to do? What are going to be my outcomes? What does this mean down the road? And then do each one of those options the same way until you make an overall decision about what's best for your health. Uh, In working with Dr. Tenpenny and traveling, I met a young lady who shared a story about going to her doctor and the doctor said, well, you know, you have a a place and it, this is a cancerous cell and this is how I'd like to treat it. And she said, well, how many options do I have? And he said, well, I don't get asked that question, but he laid a couple of different options out. And in the end, she was able to change her diet mm-hmm. and have a couple of things that she had done that were very minor procedures versus chemo, radiation, and today she's cancer-free. And if she hadn't asked the questions, the doctor's first response was to send her down a path that um, we know chemotherapy and radiation aren't healthy for our bodies. But You're talking about side effects. Two of the main side effects of chemotherapy and radiation are that they both cause cancer. Yes. Just by chance. And I don't know how we can help the public understand that other than the the more we get opportunities to speak in public, the more we get opportunities to educate people. And these clinics are going to be a different thing because when people walk in the door, what they experience inside these clinics on an educational level and the investment in keeping them healthy for this particular issue, um, we don't want to deal with broken bones in these clinics. Um, and I, I want to tell why we've chosen to do it that way. But we, we don't want gunshot wounds. We want to start with a very small niche thing where Dr. Tintini has a very high level of understanding. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about doing good and we talked about making a difference in the world, it almost goes to the thought process of think globally but act locally. And we know that globally there's an issue with insurance company and pharmaceutical companies and that they dictate a lot of what happens when you go to see a doctor. So how can we remove those components from this? And then um, which components are we most competent in being comfortable to start? And that was how we got to where we are because she wanted what she feels like is a strength and upper respiratory issues are pretty common for all ages and sometimes it's pollution sometimes it's environment sometimes it's allergies uh, sometimes it's lifestyle but teaching people how to fix those problems on their own and how to maintain a healthier lifestyle to get them lesser dependent on drugs lesser dependent on Mm -hmm. the kind of treatments that um are going to require a more invasive or maybe even surgery. But we wanted to focus on something really small and give us an opportunity to grow. So we're going to start there. And we've already been approached. Well, we have six states that have working business plans when the time is right. So as soon as we can launch these first two in, in Cleveland, wow. hopefully we can launch a third one within about uh, two to three months. And ideally within the first two years, we'd like to have 15 offices up and running. 
Because once right. the first one's done, the rest of them should start to fall like dominoes. Yeah, super exciting. So this is really radical to break free of the tyranny of the insurance companies. And one, one of the ways they hold on to that control is that they produce the illusion that the treatment is free because they get you to pay for it all the time uh, to buy the insurance plan. And a lot of employers uh, further that illusion by taking it out of your pay and matching it. And so you feel like it's you know, free to do the chemotherapy, but it's not free to do the uh, diet-centered cancer treatment. Well, so you don't do that. A lot of a lot of insurance companies are set up with a thought process of um, giving people the opportunity to go a couple of times a year to a doctor if they're sick, and then after that you're paying copays. So we know insurance rates in this country have gone up exponentially, especially since Obamacare 2010 and right. how that changed the entire climate. What's happening now is. Companies have figured out how to work within the system. So the first year of Obamacare, Obamacare did a pretty decent job of taking care of people that enrolled because insurance companies who, by the way, have very large lobbying groups that are helping write legislation and push legislation. And those groups were together in putting out the changes that happened after Obamacare. So immediately they had to cover everything and there was nothing, no such thing as a pre-existing condition. And that sounds great. But these insurance companies started finding ways to limit the coverages. Um, yeah. They'll cover an issue with diabetes, but they won't pay for your medication. Well, what is the benefit there? And then the rate increases have gone up exponentially to the point that a lot of people are having to make really tough decisions about their lives. Do I maintain right. an insurance policy or do I, um, buy a higher quality food for the kids and I around the house. Yeah. And when they, they go to a hospital or they go to a doctor, they're looking for the cheapest out and then they still have to get, pay a copay in many cases. And it's because the insurance companies will tell you, well, that's your fair share and it keeps you from abusing your insurance privileges. Right. Well, when you look at what you pay every single month, how is a copay your fair share? Those things just don't make sense. No. And what they don't tell you is important too, because you mentioned diabetes. I don't think there's too many of those companies and doctors that'll tell you diabetes is totally curable without drugs, type two at least. Type two is. And and there's a book called There is a Cure for Diabetes written by a doctor who challenged the system. And of course, nobody will talk about it publicly in the mainstream media or anything, but that's true of most diseases. And so where you guys are starting is incredible. It's really exciting. Well, I I know that advertising marketing is going to be tough in the beginning. Getting the word out, um, raising the funds has been tough and trying to get people's attention and because so many people are knocking on people's doors and they're, they've got their hand out. Can you give us more money? Can you give us more money? And the return on investment from that. People want to feel good about what they're doing. So one of the first things that we talked about with these clinics is, is as we set them up, we want to hire staff that 
have the same kind of heart that Dr. Tenpenny has to do good in the community. Right. And we don't want to just have an office that where people show up, punch a clock and go to work, punch a clock and go home. We want people that are involved in their communities. We want to help and participate in local events. We want to be active in our local chamber of commerces and support the businesses around us. And we want to find, uh, we've decided we're going to create an active benevolence. And that really is the right phrase, an active benevolence, because we want every one of our offices to have part of their local mission to do good and give back to the community. Let's be good community partners in multiple ways. It doesn't cost us any extra to hire good people that are community-minded and want to help. Um, be good neighbors to each other. Um, yeah. I, I had a great time about three weeks ago. I went with some friends, and we did a community trash-off. Now, that doesn't sound like fun, but we met really early in the morning, and we walked a few miles, and we picked up a lot of trash. But at the end of the day, when we took our load of trash to the to the center and there were several hundred people that had been in different parts of town doing the same thing it felt good it was great to know that we did a good job now when you drive around our hometown you don't see some of the results of people just being careless with their litter and that's a very small thing but caring about what goes on around us matters it's a microcosm of everything else. And you're talking about a, cha- a real psychological change related to the money system. You know, right now, investors uh, give a, an agent money to invest, and the only thing is ROI. You know, they'll invest in the most horrible technologies that help destroy the world, and if it's enough return, they're happy. Well, we're... You're right. And trying to find investors and people that are willing to support us has been difficult. However, there are some people that have stepped up and said, um, if you'll share a little bit more of the detail with your business plan with us, then we might be willing to come on board and we might be willing to do a little more with making sure that we're supporting you guys. So we've put together a couple of really nice parts of our business plan that we're meeting with a few folks to discuss their participation at higher levels. And that's been really exciting so far. It's enjoyable to meet with these people and to see their eyes light up when we start getting into the finite details of the business plan. And um, I'm saying that because if there's someone out there who's watching and listening, who thinks they might be interested, um, reach out. Come to the tenpennyalliance.org. Send us your information and let's schedule because yeah. um, trying to do fundraisers and going to dinners and banquets, that that's good. But the reality is, it's when individuals take an individual approach, want to be involved and help us a little bit more. Um, it takes a lot of people working together to get this in motion and it's happening and it's been fun to watch, but it, it can, I, that spirit can spread. It can. And the, the more people talk about it, the more people share the information. Um, you know, we've had some uphill struggles a little bit with social media because we get branded misinformation and know, right. that uh, it's a little bit funny to me when, when I met Dr. Tenpenny, I looked at her and really listened to everything she had to say. And I went home and I started doing some research and I see the the comments out there where they're attempting to take her down and really 
make it difficult, but she quotes facts and information from the VAERS website. And, and you know, that's where people... Well, that's why she's a target. Reports. It you're is. Not, you're um, not supposed to know about that. It's some obscure site that nobody ever heard of, um, or it's hidden somewhere within the CDC or the NIH. And um, it, she's not sharing stuff from, you know... Darren's quarterly magazine where he's, you know, writing on his back porch and making stuff up. Right. She's using their data and that makes it really hard for people who have done their own homework and looked further than just where can I find something that agrees with the narrative, what I've already heard and getting the word out has, has been a challenge. So we're asking other people to share, to go on their social media, their Twitter yeah. and put it out there. Um, send your family, send your friends, um, send your neighbors, let people know who we are because the more people hear about us, the easier it's going to be for us to build this model and roll it out nationwide. Let me ask you about a financial question for the whole system that you, I'm sure you have to deal with. And that's that most of the clinics so far that do exist that are not based on insurance and just are cash, um, the only people that feel like they can afford them are a really small sector of the potential market. And all the millions of people that normally think everything's free if insurance covers it, they feel like they can't go there. How are you going to appeal to the people that don't have a real high budget for off-insurance medical care? Well, if, if somebody comes in and they don't have insurance, then Dr. Tenpenny has had some success by sitting down with those people and saying, okay, um, this is something that costs X amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, how much can you afford every month? And if they tell us $20, right. then we'll write a contract and they can pay us $20 a month. See, that's um, incredible. You're talking about a human approach, uh, which is un- unknown in current healthcare. Well, she she's done this in the past with a few of her groups. And when I ask what percentage, because I really wanted to, and I'm, I'm that guy that asked the, the operations questions, you have how to, to balance yeah. the budget. How do I pay the staff? How do I pay the electric bill? Exactly. How do we make sure that we stay in compliance with everything we're supposed to do? And she said, you know, initially when she first started, she was scared to death, but it's almost a 90% return where people make those payments. And some recognize that they've had the beneficiary of the goodwill of others. And some of those people will continue to pay even after they paid it off to help with other people. And then obviously we're going to continue to take donations. We are a nonprofit. We've done everything we can to get the government on board as the 501c3. We've, we've checked that box so that people can use that as a tax write off. And that, that makes us feel good about what we're doing because we know that people get a benefit back if they just choose to make a donation. And you could put a fund aside for people that end up not being able to pay or maybe that die before they can finish paying or people that need a scholarship. You could have a fund for that. Absolutely. And, right. and I think that 
there's enough goodwill left in this world and there are enough people that are willing to continue to give when they can that we're going to have those kind of options available. And right. we don't want to turn anybody away at the door. If you've got a need and we can take care of you, um, we want to take care of you, but we've got to make sure that we do it in a way that allows us to continue to keep the lights on and pay the bills right. because some of the testing, when people come in, that stuff is not inexpensive, but we also don't need a, hospital overhead with you know every location doesn't need to have a hundred million dollar budget those kind of excesses just don't need to exist so what do you tell investors about financial return um at this point in time we haven't had an investor and we've we've got a model where if somebody does want to be an investor we're putting the last pieces together on that business plan for the cost of goods and services. And when we can put all that stuff together, the ledger will be complete. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to show if you really want to know what the return on investment is. But as a nonprofit, our target at the end of every month is to be in the black. Exactly. We're not going to target a 20% or a 25% upgrade because, you know, and, I want to start out by pointing out Dr. Tenpenny's doing this because it's the right thing to do. She's not taking an executive salary. Right. She's not doing anything to put money in her pocket from this. Um, at some point in time, I would like her to because she wants to be able to fully retire and write and travel and speak. And yeah. I want her to be able to do those things. She feels Me compelled too. to do this for the good of everybody out here who's struggling with what's going on right now. And I'm here to support her in that fully. So when you say you don't have investors yet, you're talking mostly to people who are donor category people. That is correct. We've had people that have been willing to donate. People have been willing to write checks and um, roll it in. We've had uh, a couple of hundred thousand that's been given so far, and that's allowed us to set up operations. It's allowed us to identify buildings. But um, you need to multiply that by 100. uh, We do. My my good faith estimate is the very first location is going to cost us somewhere around two and a half to three million dollars to build out and get everything done. And it, right. that, that's not an unthinkable rate in today's world. Uh, no, that's people, cheap for a medical clinic. It is. And we're we're not doing it to look cheap. We're doing it because we're not trying to put a lot of money in our own pockets. Right. We're trying to build something that's efficient and effective and gives people great results so that when they walk out, they understand what they need to do to be healthier. Well, and the teaching, if you're really going to focus on that, it takes the stress off the high tech part because you don't need to solve everything with the latest technology. Absolutely. Um, having a good understanding about what you can do for your own health and your own choices. And then having that professional that is your kind of, kind of your own business partner in your life business of being healthy. That is a doctor in this clinic that is going to give you an honest, uh, assessment and honest feedback and treat you in a way that hopefully you don't have to continue to, you know, Multiple times in the course of doing this, I come up with ideas and I'm, I'm learning how to do healthcare and how to apply what I know about managing businesses to healthcare. And Dr. Tenpenny will remind me, this is not a regular clinic. This is not the kind of thing where we, we want to be somebody's primary care physician. And it, it's kind of an epiphany that, okay, we really are trying to treat people different. 
Mm -hmm. We want people to be responsible for themselves, come in, get healthy, and leave. And that's going to have a tremendous psychological healing effect on the patients, too, because they'll start feeling more self-sufficient. Well, imagine being dependent on a facility all your life for some kind of uh, breathing apparatus because you're an asthmatic. Yeah somebody's going to take the time to teach you how to use the right equipment and hands-on teach you what you can do to avoid ever having to come back. Mm-hmm. That That's a unique business model. I suspect a lot of those people will be taught how to change their lifestyle so that they don't need the equipment anymore at all. I hope so. And, uh, it, you know, one of the first levels of success for us is going to be when the first customer comes in the door that is a referral from a family or a member or a friend. And they say, you know, I knew somebody who came in and they had an issue. I've got a similar issue. They've never felt better and they haven't had to come back. How can I do that also? Exactly. I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think so too. And then after we develop this um, and I'm, I'm looking way down the road and we have clinics that are, you know, everywhere throughout the United States and yeah. people have an opportunity to learn how we do do business. I know that there's going to be other models. Um, I had a gentleman approach me this weekend and ask me about doing surgery centers. Um, at this mm-hmm. moment, that's not the goal. Right. The goal at this moment is to establish these respiratory care centers. Yeah. But once we establish there's going to be opportunities to expand this model and to do some different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Tenpenny is going to help guide us with that because it's got to be something she feels good about. It's got to be something she wants to do, but we don't know what the future will bring, but I do know it won't be the same as it is today. No. And I can see classes developing. So there'd be a real school component to the whole thing. So she's already started this model. And if uh, listeners don't know, learning for you.org and it's just the word learning the number four and then you.org she's put a lot of information out there to help people understand what they can do and you can register for courses there's a course catalog you can set up a profile you can learn about uh, there's pediatrics and pregnancy and vaccines and information from several different doctors there's a young adult series they're trying to really help people understand what's going on. And it was funny because when I first came on board, I shared, I know a lot about how to balance a spreadsheet. I know a lot about managing, motivating people, right. but you've used phrase. She used phrases the first two minutes I talked to her that I didn't know what they were. And she, she said, learning for you.org, go look. And Is that I, you spelled out? Why are uh, yes, the learning, the number four, and then you.org. Okay, got it. And on that site, you can register and read and learn. And I've been able to broaden my mind. And, and it's kind of interesting because I'll learn something and I'll go and ask my wife, who is a 30 plus year practicing RN, mm-hmm. and she'll say, Oh, yeah, that's common knowledge. And I'm like, Yeah, uh, common knowledge, just nobody's aware of it. That's all. Well, it's common yeah. knowledge. To a nurse who paid attention in that particular class, it's not common right. knowledge to me who's not in the medical profession. So no. it's been a whirlwind for me learning all the pieces and parts and how it all marries and goes together. 
but it's also been one of the best things I've ever done. And I'm looking forward to that first ribbon cutting that first, when we get that first building finished and we're able to finish that build out. uh, I'm talking with construction people now and looking at what it takes to take bids. And at every turn, it seems like it's a new piece of this and it's all coming together and little by little, um, you know, we had some good donations that came through over the weekend. Good. And every time I get that email alert on the weekend, I hope that that's what it is. And when I see that's it, right. it's nice to see that we're getting some traction and people are getting on board. This is neat for you because if you've been working for corporations and different organizations before, for the most part, they give you parts of the operation to work on and to focus on. Here you're having to oversee everything. You know, the whole thing coming together. It is is going to be very satisfying, much like listening to an orchestra. Yeah. Um, When when you hear the different parts individually, it sometimes doesn't make sense. But when you get to be in charge of the entire thing and pull it all together. um, And and I want to I'll give people a little bit of an insider secret on Dr. Tenpenny. Yeah. Um, she is business savvy. She mm-hmm. understands people. She's really good at understanding not, not, it's not just medical protocols, but she's really good at understanding how businesses work and what's necessary when setting it up. And there were pieces and parts that I really didn't expect her to have much input on. Um, and she's just. I don't know. The woman hardly ever sleeps. She reads, she studies, she's out looking for more information and she's just savvy. She gets it. And it excites me to be in partnership with someone like that who has a higher level vision and an insight into an industry for how we can change and make the difference. Right. And unfortunately, Richard, she's invited me to a few meetings with other medical leaders who have had the same thought about changing the world and, and doing something different outside of the current healthcare system. Right. And when we get to those meetings, it's always the same where they are talking about how to work within the framework of insurance. And they're talking about mm-hmm. how to partner with the local big hospital conglomerate right. so that they're, they're not hurting feelings and or stepping on somebody's territory. And she just shakes her head and says that they don't get it. Um, they don't. And they, it's they, not lack of intelligence. And, and it's usually not even lack of benevolent intent. It's, it's a demonstration of the programming that's been so successful for hundreds of years, education and and media and the whole thing. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think I didn't, I certainly didn't realize how much I had been introduced to or influenced by the narrative until you start looking at it through this different lens. And then suddenly um, I tell people all the time, it's, it's one of those events where once you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, people send you those things every now and then, and it's a bit of a maze. And you can't really see how it fits together at first. Well, you you can't. There's a picture hidden in a picture. Yeah. And then, or maybe it's two colors, and you think one is the picture, but it's the other color that's the picture. Right. But if if you look at it, and then suddenly you see it, 
Well, once you see it, you'll always see it because you get it. And that's really what's happened to me on this journey with her. Now that I see what's going on, I can't unsee it. And when I watch television or, and I, and I don't much anymore, but when I see something and I hear the narrative talking points and I just know, um, you're only presenting a shaded part of this and you're doing it with a slant yeah. to sell the narrative that you are, you're not only indoctrinated, you're further indoctrinating people and people get upset. The whole, the cognitive dissonance when people argue so hard because they think they understand uh-huh. it, it's hard to coach around that. It's hard to teach around and help people digest this. They're so shielded. They understand they are shielded. You know, it's not just the indoctrination of the false ideas. It's the indoctrination that if anyone questions it, instead of looking at what they're saying, you have to get mad and defensive. That's taught, well, in, taught in medical school and other higher education that you worked, you suffered so much to get this information. Don't ever let it be questioned. Well, and science is the process of continually questioning and real science. Yeah. <laughs> continually trying to prove or disprove theories when and being happy to give up your own, if it's proven wrong too. Correct. But when, when you challenge the narrative and it's, it's so much social conditioning right now that people are, not happy when you inform them of something where they've been misled. It's easier to mislead them than it is to show them that they've been misled. Oh, yeah, because you're keeping going on the momentum they've already got. And I think you, you said that you're good at motivating people and things like that. We need to teach a new paradigm to potential donors that it's not all about ROI. Well, it is about ROI, but not in money. Right. There's a, there's a human condition where we have a sense of satisfaction when we help somebody. Not only that, the current condition, the world is so severely in danger of extinction right now by design that what they do with their money is going to have an input, an impact on which way things are going to go in the future. Well, I, I do tell family and friends to vote with your dollars and, um, where we, go to eat, where we choose to buy groceries, where we choose to do anything, you know, socially, if we get out of the house, where you put your dollars is what you're supporting. And if we can make better decisions about things like this and working together, this is going to happen. And how fast it happens is really determined by the generosity of the people that participate with us. So um, I, I, said earlier asking people to write a check or make a donation because the dollars matter and the first big location is going to set a tone and imagine the satisfaction you could have by knowing that you contributed to that and it's going to be incredible i know it it is going to be incredible and i know that when people see the impact that they're making in other people's lives that that's going to just continue to grow and I hope to get to a place of um, having to truly expand and grow our staff and add a lot of layers because we're so diverse. Yeah. You're going to have to be training replacements for yourself. Absolutely. And um, I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) So since we're pretty much out of time, but 
the important thing is if people have questions and they're potential donors or they want to support in some way, they need to know how to get in touch with either you or whoever you root them to. Well, if people want information, the Tinpenny Alliance dot org is the website okay. and there's a place on there where you can scroll down and you can put in your information um it's just a fill in the blank give us your email tell us what your question is are you willing to volunteer okay. are you looking for a connection but if they want want to ask specific questions or they want more information my email address is darren at the tenpenny alliance dot org in plain and simple d-a-r-e-n one r one R. Well, only one of me, only one R. Yeah. Darren at the tenpennyalliance.org. And it really does make my day to have interaction with people that are having questions. And as we've evolved, it's gone from questions about where can I find doctors? Where can I find a clinic? Where can I find somebody who's not going to force me into taking a vaccine? Right. To, how do I help and how do I get involved? And um, I'm looking for somebody to partner with me in this particular area. And we've been able to match some people up in some different areas to help in their own pursuits of trying to do something different. And that's been a, a win for us and hopefully a win for them. But um, we're looking for volunteers and we're looking for business partners and we're looking for investors. So right. if you're willing to be involved, if you want to donate, please reach out and let us know how we can answer any questions you might have. Good, good. That's really important. And I think the concurrent development of alternatives to the insurance system is important too. On the financial side, people putting together collective arrangements that are profit-making and they pay for things that the regular insurance companies won't pay for. Well, and I I know that, um, I know we're winding down, but I want to say that insurance companies are going through a lot right now and um the data for 2020 uh, for 2021 the life insurance payouts for people between the ages of age 18 to 64 were up 40 percent right and insurance companies are saying a 10 percent increase would have been a one in every 200 year event exactly. and they're not even willing to label what this uh 40 percent increase is but myocarditis um Heart attacks are up 269%. Right. And they've got pre-made banners for buses and things saying heart attacks in kids are normal. Yeah. Um, it's not. Um, some of the things that they're trying to, to push out is just, you know, spontaneous abortions, miscarriages are up 306%. Right. Um, Bell's palsy, cerebral infarction, uh, pulmonary embolisms, myocarditis, everything is up. And we're not talking about a 1% tick. We're talking about um, over 300%. Immunodeficiencies up 275%. As soon as this vaccine started, all that stuff started happening. As soon as it started. And the, the number of vaccine injuries that have been reported through the VAERS system really do highlight what's going on. But we also need to understand that there's a large amount of people who go to a doctor with a complaint or a problem, and that doctor is not reporting that properly. No, or um, he, says, he tells them it's unrelated. Or they're telling them it's unrelated. If a doctor gave me an exploratory injection, right, and three days later or 
two weeks later, I have an issue. And it may be that conversation we started with side effect. Is yeah, a doctor right. going to accept responsibility and report that, yeah, I encourage you to take this experimental vaccine that I really didn't know what was in it because I didn't read the vaccine inserts and you took it at my recommendation and now you're having heart issues. So I have ownership of perhaps what your problem is. Yeah, that takes a really strong, wise, conscious doctor. And there are not enough of those right now. I think that Harvard's and we need more time, but hopefully you'll come back. But that Harvard Pilgrim study, remember, you must have heard of it. It said that about 1% of actual cases are reported to VARES of both injuries and deaths. Correct. So you just uh, multiply by 100 and you get a rough guess of the real figures. Well, and let's let's talk about the deaths. So the new VARES numbers indicate 22,607 deaths right? just from this one vaccine. So that's 2.2 million in real numbers, right? And we're now encroaching on that 2 million that was the reason why we all jumped up and did mask. And I'm almost embarrassed to talk about my involvement in pushing mask when this first came out because people don't comprehend the bigger picture. You know, masks were a lie from the beginning. Uh, the, the virtue signaling. The They're good if you know, you're generating a lot of sawdust, though. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. My, my dad's a woodworker, and um, I've went out to the shop a few times, and he's got a mask that he uses, and it's ironic that when he pulls it off, he's still got... Yeah, it went through. Um, you know, and... The hard thing about masks, even in a situation with sawdust or paint, is that fitting them hard to your face, because there's cracks around the edges, right? Yeah, there's there's not a win there, sir. Just Just, you know, don't be in places that you can't breathe. This is connected to everything. And, I, sure. I, you know, the situation in the world is downplayed on the media, which is in the business of lying about everything. And the real situations that are dangerous, they make believe they're nothing. And the situations that aren't dangerous at all, they want everybody terrified of. And they're doing a great job. So we need to change the psychology of the whole thing. And people are afraid to become more aware because it's not pleasant in the beginning or it's uncomfortable. And the thing is, you got to go through that to get to the source of comfort that comes from being able to respond with some kind of solutions. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I'm really proud of with this group is it's solution oriented. We recognize that there's something going on and we want it to be different. So instead of sitting around and complaining about it, we've chosen to take action and to get involved. And I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to meet anybody who wants to support us and continue to have these conversations. Good. Maybe you've got a banner or something we can put on a website too. Um, Richard, I can get something and send it to you. You might Absolutely. be able to figure that out. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I hope you'll come back soon because I want to stay in touch as this develops and uh, we'll see how it goes. So hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay. So there goes Darren Coates. I think I might have called him Daryl once by mistake. I apologize if that's the case, but it's Darren with one R, D-A-R-E-N, Coates. And... um 
exciting, great project that they're doing. Website to stay in touch with to keep up with developments is the Tenpenny Alliance dot org. And this other one that I didn't even know about that apparently Dr. Tenpenny is doing as an educational site for everybody is learning for the number four and then you.org. And that would be good to take a look at too. Um, I think we covered a lot of the basics in the discussion about why their project is so important. And I'm hoping that it'll spread to all of healthcare so that doc, real doctors start re-emerging from the chains that have been put on them by the insurance companies and the medical drug dealers and the vaccine dealers and the corrupt government that we've got. And we got this situation, you know, in the country and most of the world right now where the governments and the corp- big corporations are mostly run by uh, dark forces. And everybody below them is just saying, I'll follow whatever orders you give me as long as it pays my salary, you know. And there has to be a change to that or the future of the world is not good. So what Darren is doing and Dr. Tenpenny is doing is being an example of a whole different value system. You know, stop drugging patients to death, even if it's really profitable. They're talking about the medical system that was started in the U.S., um, after some other countries, but in the U.S. around 1910 through a clever mechanism called the Flexner Report, and they tried to get rid of competing uh, health systems and just leave the drug dealers and the surgery dealers. And there are a few surgeries that are necessary. You know, if there's a congenital uh, genetic defect or something, tumor that's pressing on an artery or something like that. But a a huge percentage of the surgeries are just to make money and they lead to more money because they cause so much trouble that they kind of forget to tell you about when, before they do that surgery that, um, you know, they're great for the business model of a corrupt healthcare system, not great for the patient. And there's so many countless examples of the way that works, but, um, what Dr. Tenpenny and Darren are doing is a whole trying to break that mold and get into a whole different way of actually serving the patient as a teacher and a healer and mainly helping them to upgrade their lifestyle so that they get strong enough to resist disease for the most part so they don't need treatment. You know, that's where medicine really should be going and in line with what Hippocrates was saying about using your food as medicine and not doing any harm, not doing a minimal amount of harm with just side effects that kill you, but just not even doing any harm at all. And that used to be the um, oath that doctors took, and it's not so much anymore for obvious reasons. They're using things that they call medicine that aren't, they're not medicine, they're toxic chemicals. And sometimes they'll cover up a symptom in exchange for producing a worse condition later on. Informed consent to those would be informing the patient that this is probably going to destroy your health and your life, and it may kill you. Um, But other than that, it's great medicine, and would you like to take it? And here's what we're going to charge you. How many people would take that medicine? 
that's real informed consent and that's why it's not being done. So I really appreciate what Darren and the whole group is doing. I hope you guys will support it. Let other people know about it. Share the show links. That's one way to do it. Most people don't have the money to, you know, donate much of anything anyway. So if you could just share the links, eventually it'll get to people who do have money and who do donate to things. And we're really thinking about making a regular part of the shows or a separate video or something on um, consulting for billionaires free. I don't even care if you help our project. Well, I do. I'd like you to do that. But if you don't, it's fine. There are things that are urgent to support. And Darren's work is one of them. We're not getting a commission or, you know, there's nothing weird like that going on. It's just that here's something good and you should support it. Mr. and Mrs. Billionaire, um, give them a few million dollars or a hundred million dollars or something. Let them set up clinics all over the world and a new model of medicine. That's what the purpose of having a lot of money is, is so that you can support things like that and help the future of humanity. And if you've got a dollar or five dollars to donate, that's great too. I think it's really worthwhile. So that's mainly what I wanted to tell you. Um, help us share the links. And if you find that we disappear from a certain platform for uh, obvious reasons, go to lostartsradio.com and find out where we're still on the air and stay in touch. There's a contact form there. There's a donate button if you've got resources enough to help us stay on the air and stay doing what we're doing and activate some of our projects that are on hold for lack of funds. Donations are really appreciated because we're not doing commercials. That's at lostartsradio.com. If you don't want to use the donate button, use the subscribe star link. That's fine. Or there's a mailing address. If you just want to avoid the electronic system altogether, that's fine too. And the, the main message from all these guys and from us, and it's not even above helping us financially. It's please take care of yourself because you're needed. You're really important to the future of the world. And right now things are so intense with which way it's going to go, you know, whether humanity will survive that the time, whatever time we have remaining is super valuable. So use it well. And the first thing to do with it is take an honest look at what you're doing in your own life that hurts you and reverse it. Start taking really good care of yourself. It's the best way to help everybody else and everything starts to change. So thanks for being here and meeting Darren with me. Um, Have a good rest of the weekend. Remember our Saturday shows um, that are changing format now to Voice in the Wilderness and the Planetary Healing Club, which is where we really work on this stuff. And you're invited to that if you want to come and participate. That's on Saturday afternoon uh, every week. You can get the links to all that stuff on lostartsradio.com. So take good care of yourself. Thanks for being here, and I'll meet you here next time. Take care. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. 
We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. 
Faces or walls are so close Looks like there's no way around If this so helpless right now But there's a way out of found Stand up, stand up, stand up Let your voice be loud Wake up, wake up, wake up Show the natural proud Let go, let go, let go You know by saying these words Say this word. 